Hello, I'm here once again with my mate Daniela Greenwood. And I'm here with Murray Boise Barlin, and what a joy to see you. I do have to ask something, because yeah. we are recording this on Zoom. I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask about the hair. <laughs> I, so, I, I could be. But last time I saw you, it, you had lots of hair, didn't you? I did. I was waiting for some of my elder buddies to cut my hair. And, you know, given COVID, we, you know, the physical or the physical distancing of it, I don't like the term social distancing. The physical distancing of it, well, I had to, I can't really let them cut it. So look at that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Is there not a middle ground between, between like hair down to my nose and none? No, no, there's no middle ground. Well, there was actually. I let my 10 year old daughter cut my hair along with her neighbor. Buddy Meta, who mm-hmm. goes to school with, uh, age 10 as well, and then Piper, age 7. And they, for 90 minutes, ridiculed and made fun of me and my beauty, which is interesting. We're talking about beauty today. And I had some very, I think I'll show you a photo of it. And you, you've seen that. There, look at that. All that hair missing in the middle there. Yeah, no, they. Yep. Mm-hmm. Were they upset with you at the time? <laughs> <laughs> they expressed it through their hairdressing. Mm-hmm. I can see. So my elders were very excited when I offered my hairdresser to come in when they saw the photos. I I've bet. been using the photos. So, yes, this is my new haircut. So there you go. And I think it's appropriate we talk about beauty because um, here I am with a fresh haircut and I feel very special. Great interview uh, with Jane. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering about beauty and 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 how important it is to be made up and should we be made up every day? Is it every day special or do we want to save it for special occasions or is it not an individual situation? Um, and you know, I, I think it's individual and I think we all go through phases. There were times in, you know, if you ask, you know, some of the women I know and, and some of the women that I've helped get dressed in the morning in aged care, Someone said, I, I, I couldn't leave home without the lipstick, wouldn't even answer the front door without the lipstick on, yeah. you know. And then there's other people that um, – or and then maybe they get a bit more relaxed about that and maybe if they're doing more things socially or there's someone that they're attracted to, that'll be that'll become more important. I think the key is, as you said, individuality, but everyone, everyone needs to feel at home in their own skin, in the in their clothes and feel like – that they look like how they feel, if that makes sense, that they mm. they feel like themselves. For me, I'm just thinking, you know, it's about expressing your identity, isn't it, really? And, I mean, I know so my, my wife and my former partner, both uh, long-term relationships, neither wore makeup daily. Um, they would wear makeup for special occasions. So I'm a person that doesn't really, you know, I don't really seek Makeup. I am a male, so I don't know if that makes a difference or not. I don't wear makeup. Well, I used to wear eyeliner. Mm-hmm. In the 80s? Yeah. Your romantic kind of thing? Yeah, in the 80s, long dangly earrings, yeah. But, Maury, I can see even in this picture that you have, after your children, I'm, I'm going to, I want to say butchered. But <laughs> yeah, that's I'm happy with butchered. <laughs> uh, after that photo you showed me where there were just complete spots of missing hair and, mm. um, and it, it looked quite modern uh you've you've gone to quite an effort to really neaten it up and i can see that your <laughs> mustache oh. and beard you, oh. you 
you really craft oh, those. Like you've got straight to the crux of my oh my duality. This is not a gendered. This. It's not a gendered oh, thing. You good. really do care, and <laughs> and I think that self consciousness about how that you didn't feel that hair was right. It was funny in the process, but you've gone to oh. a lot of trouble to 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 manicure your own moustache and beard a certain way, and it it looks it looks like you've gone to an effort. To, Gone to an effort. Yes, and you've got me, Daniela. One Moz nil. Once again, no. and what did you say last week? I loved it. You said we've got to oh, we've got to interrogate what you've just said. I love that, <laughs> and I love that you interrogate what I say. And yes, you're right. So it is. Is it vanity or is it no? Think, what is it then? No, it's it's, it's exactly it. it's exactly what you said and what Jane was talking about. Her grandmother doing. You know, I, I think she used the term. Um, she started her beauty business out of the rubble, you know, after those earthquakes in Japan. And she said, uh, you need food. After a big disaster like that, you need food, yeah. you need a place to stay, and then you need to look good. And and I couldn't help but thinking about some research I read from the Australian bushfires. I, 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 I hark back to that a lot because I was lucky mm -hmm. enough to – to do some of the qualitative interviews, but there was some wonderful, a wonderful piece that interviewed the, those people who'd been through the bushfire. They'd lost everything, their homes, everything. Mm. And, um, and that they were given other people's clothes and cosmetics, of course, because they had nothing. And the people interviewed described how that impacted them personally, that their identity kits, that wow. the things that were part of their bodies, the things they'd chosen to use to present themselves to the world had been lost too and they were walking around, I think the research said, in kind of a daze in other people's clothes and in cosmetics, you know, feeling that really lostness on a deeper level. They just mm. didn't feel like themselves and it's about sexuality, sexuality yes. being a lot more than obviously um, just the physicalities of sex how we how we groom ourselves, how we present ourselves with our personal style is all part of how we interact socially and that's definitely got to do with um, with sexuality. Just back to what you said about walking around with somebody else's clothes and makeup mm. and I'm just thinking like, you know, I've just claimed that I don't care about my, my um, look and, of course, I do. You know, I've got a, a shirt on that I like to present myself in but I'm just thinking back because... You know, I've got a, a cologne, a, an aftershave that I use, mm -hmm. and I'm very particular about that smell, you know, and they'll yep. want that to represent. I don't want to smell like Old Spice or Brute 33, yep. um, you know, and so it's very interesting and it does hark back to identity. I So when you're, you know, when you were on the floor, mm -hmm. how often did people get the chance to, you know, wear makeup or to be made you know, I don't want to use the term beautiful, but you know, to what what term would beautiful be in, in terms of their own personal style, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Moz, I love the fact that you said get the chance because I think first and foremost, personal carers, I would say most of the ones I worked with, including myself, would have cherished the opportunity to view those moments of personal care as as they would helping their sister get dressed or a friend get dressed, you know, to see those moments as real opportunities for more than just ADLs. But, of course, there isn't 
time to do that when you've got to get a certain amount of people up for breakfast. And those kind of things aren't prioritised in, in the scheme of things, if, if you know what I mean. I mean, I, so many, I, so many times um, I've worked with residents who when they move in, there's this lump of clothing and we kind of put it all away and they're never, ever given new clothes or offered the opportunity, importantly, to choose new clothes or family bring clothes in for them and really miss out on that opportunity to, like any of us would want to do, look through a magazine to see what we want or go yeah. shopping to see what we want ourselves. It's like when they move mm. in, they're never going to need new clothes or to update their style. They may see someone else wearing something and think, oh, that's really nice. I wish I could wear that. I mean, I've, I've honestly had to resort to purchasing secondhand clothes for residents out of my own carer's money. And often that was for residents who've got their own financial resources. They've paid sort of large bonds to move in, but it's just accepted that there's a kind of sentiment that other things like clothing or purchasing beauty services um, have to be somehow volunteers or charity yeah, now, or something. I don't and know. this is the thing because I know with um, my older buddies, you know, the services that they they just hang off. And one of the things during COVID was their hair got longer and longer, and they were really. That's why I let my hair grow as a, <laughs> you know with them because no because solidarity. They were, yeah, they were really <laughs> they were really um, put out that they couldn't have them their hair done and their manicure, and they were feeling. Uh, you know, unwashed, you know, is what one woman described. And I know one, one of my older buddies particularly has a very old-fashioned coiffed hairdo and, and wears beautiful, you know, straight yeah. out of Don's party clothing and yeah. big, fat, chunky beads. And it's her identity. And, you know, the hair, the colour of her hair went back to grey and she wasn't able to colour it. And, of course, the staff don't have time, particularly around COVID, to do mm -hmm. that. And we've got to make time for this identity. And um, this, like as you say, you know, like, for people to express how they want to present. And I, if I could share something with you, because I was thinking, you know, I talk about my elder buddy, Laurel, who my, her son, and they're very happy for me to speak about Laurel. So whenever I see her, I had a bowler hat, right? I wear a bowler hat. And, and that was I've one of the things she used to touch. Hat. She used yeah. to be very familiar with it. And I play the music. So for her birthday last year, I bought her a bowler hat. And of course, I don't, I really don't like putting hats on or, or anything on elders. It's not something I do. I invite. And she took the hat straight away and popped it on, which everyone was surprised. I wasn't surprised because she understood when the invitation came. So she had this bowler hat. Now, the part of the story that's so beautiful is, is that whenever I host my sessions, when I'm in person, AIN Matt or AIN uh, Catherine will run and get the hat from her wardrobe. They know where it is and they hold it out for her and say, would you like your, and she'll put it on. And then she has a bowler hat on with me for the sessions. And it's just that extra special effort that yeah, the yeah. care teams are going to for her to partake in a session that's special. And it's not about makeup, but it's about getting ready for the special moment and yeah, expressing yeah. it to something. It, it is. And that's what uh, Jane said something about, you know, trying to mix health and beauty, and I really loved that she was mm. sort of saying if the health work, healthcare worker could provide that service, it'd make people better. And and as she said, it really is about that communication during that process. That's not hierarchical. It's just um, if it's two women, it's just and I'm this think I'm personalising this, but helping someone put that identity kit on and having the time 
to do that, just the chats that happen during that are just normal. They're the kind of chats you do have with the hairdresser. And I think if you listen to conversations in the hairdressing salon in aged care, and there's a lot of them, a lot of aged care places have them. If you listen to the the kind of content of those conversations, as opposed to conversations where the care is just focused on getting that body clean and then moving to the next one, um, it, it's going to be completely different. And I think that's what we lose out on when when we discuss sort of the time and efficiencies and staffing mm. hours, all of a sudden that maintaining identity gets put into, you know, the very scarce um, lifestyle staff kind of pool. You know, lifestyle staff are going to maintain identity in this kind of prefabricated, prearranged activity t- that that's sort of aimed at maintaining identity when you've missed that very organic and real opportunity every single morning mm, for just a, a really human chat. Yeah, it's it is. It's a wasted opportunity. I, I, you know, I think I, just thinking about the conversations you're talking about, so what we're talking about then, Sue, is ritual. You know, the ritual yeah, for sure. of, of a hair, hair. I know I remember as a kid, you know, going to the barber, you know, like the the hot towel and the, the shave around the neck at the at the back of the neck, at the back of the hairline. But I'm thinking too about the ritual of getting, you know, like when you're living independently and you go to the mirror and you preen yourself and you do whatever mm-hmm. it is that you do, that's part of your day, part of your ritual. Yeah, and, yeah. and so that's taken as well. And especially if you're not able to independently do that any longer, it's such a small but crucial part of daily life. Yeah, I I think um, that opportunity to dress up, as she was talking about, I I was um, a few years ago. I was in Los Angeles um, at a think tank, uh, <laughs> and I, I was able to spend a full day in an aged care place over there called Silverado, and <laughs> um, they they had this thing where. Once a month, they had the ball, like the um, it was a really full-on dinner dance, and people there were really high care in the layback chairs, in wheelchairs, and it was a dementia-specific home that specialised in supporting people with changing cognition. But the the whole process of changing the the dining room and lounge room area into a ballroom area. They got family and that to sort of assist with that on a bit of a roster. And you saw daughters buying dresses with their mothers and for mm. their mothers. People in layback chairs weren't just stuck with what was in the cupboard. The daughter would say, I'm, I bought a new dress for mum. I hope she loves it. It's a favourite colour. A really expensive, beautiful ball gown that um, some people call them princess chairs, but these yeah. women in late back chairs would have this brand new piece of clothing on and get to socialise and dress up and really dress up at this this once a month ball, really, special that families event. and… A big special event. Yeah, so that's the really special dressing up piece and it was just, it was the talk for the week. I've got nothing to wear. Mm. But the other amazing thing they did was every single morning they had a beautician, a qualified beautician, a makeup artist actually, with a huge makeup, like one of those mobile things with lots of drawers. And when the women had been showered and brought out, they would sit at the beauty seat. And it was public um, in, in sort of a side part of the lounge area, 
but the makeup artists would do their face every single morning. That's great. As, Who initiated yeah, that? Who, um, did this did is you do so, that? No, no. This was I just got to spend a whole day as a fly on the wall there. Um, and they had lots wow. of artists like yourself, Mori, walking through, roaming, rather than big concerts, they had roaming mm. performers. Um, but, but that was the one thing that stuck to me, that everyone there looked like, um, and, and it was what was happening while the makeup was being put on and the conversations yes. and, and, you know, family coming in saying, Mum, you look beautiful, and the men too. Really, if that was their how they'd lived, really well shaven and yeah. um, and look, you know, handsome as in handsome from their perspective. So yeah. that there's other things like that. I think that um, that we miss that we, we miss not thinking about. It's so interesting. You see, this is why you need to be the minister for aging, and I'm <laughs> going to really push this at this election coming uh, as an independent. But seriously, like this is the thing: is we we start talking about beauty and, and listening to Jane's uh, and Ash's interview, but we begin to talk about identity and ritual and deeper conversations that are had, and 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 changing the space and changing the the, the events. Hey, I'm um, going back to Jane's training for her students, mm. taking them into aged care to work with elders and applying makeup to them. So I wanted to know about challenges around that. But also, interestingly, how do you feel about her putting time into her students experiencing hearing barriers, vision barriers, and, and loss of some cognition? Do you? How did you feel uh, about I think that that's effort? fantastic. Absolute great pickup, Moz. I think it's absolutely br- – that experiential training – you actually can't beat it to to feel what things are like, to understand what it's like. Even um, even understanding on a, on a carer's level, we sort of get carers to feed each other, so they know what it's like not to be in control of the spoon. All of that experiential mm. stuff is just so so powerful. But I also just love the idea that she took beauty students, um, to, and and part of the teaching was to teach people. From all walks of life with all sorts of differences, especially uh, older women and people living in uh, residential aged care, that that's just so normalised that, of course, the service is going to be for everyone. So we need to learn how to do our craft successfully with people living with the diversity of our humanity Mm. and across the life course. I thought both of those points were just brilliant. I think it's the way forward. And I love, too, that they were put into wheelchairs and pushed around to see what it's like at that level, you know, oh, and and yeah. to see the world from that perspective and then to self-propel, you know, like what that's like. And I think that was really crucial in understanding and thinking about the other person. Um, yeah, I do too. It's not – and there's no – nothing better than experiencing it yourself, is there? No, no. Well – um, it's a great talking to you. I've got to go and make up now. I've got to apply some makeup and maybe put some dye in my grey beard as I Don't get old. Do I'm turning that. sixty very soon. Can you oh believe? Oh my it? gosh, that's mm-hmm. nothing. You're just like a the one benefit, Moz. You and I, I'm sure, will both agree on working with people um, who are older than us primarily gives you a real perspective you know when you hear people say oh i'm 60 or i'm 70 i'm getting old you go yeah no nah. <laughs> you're not old. Nah. and 
And, you know, and they tell me all the time, I, they, I say, look at me, look at my grey hair, I'm, I'm nearly 60. And they just find that hilarious because, you know. <laughs> um, until next week. Wonderful. Who cares? See, I care. Oh, I thought you did. I care too. <laughs> See ya. Bye.